Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews Podcast. I am your host Shanice and today's episode will be based on Narcos Mexico. We are starting the Narcos series. We finished up uh, regular Narcos with Colombia with Pablo. Uh, We did those two complete seasons but as you know we are not done with Pablo because he appears in Mexico as well. So tune in. I hope you enjoy this episode. We will be doing, we're going to go ahead and complete it up because season three is about to drop. So I want to catch up really fast on that. Tune in for tomorrow's episode because we will be going over Raising Canaan episode two as well. So on that note, I'm going to try not to have you guys here not too long. I'm going to try to break it down real quick where it's not too long of an episode. But if it is, Tune back in, just take a break, come back, check out the full episode because we about to get into it, get deep with it. Um, I'm going to do, but we're a little bit behind because I wanted to bend start on Narcos Mexico. But if you're one of my day one listeners, since I started this a couple months ago, you know, I've been transitioning into moving out of state and relocated Um new place of employment so I had to get trained for a couple weeks so we kind of you know fell off the dribble game for a minute but now I'm back getting the dribble right um back writing back recording so um I'll start to get more consistent with my recordings because I know it's been like here and there um if you guys have not checked out yet please check out my Mary J. Blige podcast that one uh, was special to me because she's one of my favorite artists um I did the podcast on Tupac for his birthday check that out and if you just now tuning in just catching up check out my uh narcos when i uh, cover colombia and pablo escobar and the um <clears throat> meddling cartel check that out because now we're about to get into mexico and as you know they all tie in together then we'll go down the snowfall so on that note i promise i'm not gonna hold you guys that long Let's get into the show. We are covering Narcos Mexico season, I mean, sorry, episode one and two. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. So I am very excited to do the Mexico version because even though Pablo is the most like notorious um, cocaine smuggler that we've heard of to this day, he wasn't the quite biggest, but he was more notorious was because of his war that he put on with the government. So he was the only one who really didn't care about putting himself out there. When he got pissed off, he burnt down courthouses, etc. He he was notorious, but Pablo, his name sticks out there. But one thing after that, the cartels never stopped in Colombia. But after Pablo, we don't really, as far as Colombia, you hear about the Cali cartel, but the Cali cartel went down right after Pablo was murdered and or committed suicide, however you want to look at it, um, in 1993. So then it kind of switched over to Mexico, and that's still you know, reigns fully to this day. 
Now you hear about the El Chapos and everything. But the story always goes back to where it started in the late 70s, 80s per se, when, you know, it just got crazy. And we're not done with uh, um, Pablo because, of course, he appears on Narcos Mexico as well. So we're going to break down each episode just like we did in um, Narcos Colombia. We're going to break down every episode in this one. But I'm going to try to do it two episodes at a time and just like not hold up too much of your guys time like I did with my narcos we'll talk about what happened with the show because we know it's very dramatized out a lot of stuff happened but it didn't happen in that way everything is dramatized they changed the names they changed murders that happened that didn't happen you know they changed everything around because you know when you're doing television you have to do it for Hollywood but going back into the regular narcos for a minute if you were paying attention to my um my stance on Columbia, you know, the cops kind of, the uh, the United States cops, they kind of irked me, the DEA agents, but not the real, not them in real life on how they portrayed in television. Mexico, I'm on the opposite side. Like, you know, um, Kiki Camarena, ever since I read his story, heard of his story and watched documentaries, that's, that story itself touches my heart on how this man was done. And, um, I want to get into it. So like I've been telling you before, you can do it now because you might have already watched it by a couple years old. Or if you're just tuning in each week to see my opinion and how, uh, you know, what I think and going over everything, that's cool too. check out The Last Narc. It's on Prime Video. It's a documentary and it's based on Kiki um, Camarena's murder, the cover up. Check it out. Brought me to tears. But on that note, when going with the show um so if we go back to when we're going to go to regular narcos when we had dea agents Pena and murphy remember they said when they brought up kiki camarena i want to say it was episode three and they said he was like jesus christ um the dea agents because he died to save them all they had a point and it was very true because Back in the 80s, the DEA was only about five years old. Nobody took them serious. They were like mall cops, neighborhood watches. They looked like a joke. Back then, it was all about the FBI, the CIA. And after Kiki Camarena's murder, that's when it woke everybody up and said, no, 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 no. Now you mentioned DEA and people go running. But back then, they weren't taken serious. And after his murder on how nationwide it was and how they closed that border for a couple of days, it was. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at Narcos Mexico, when they said that they think they could kill a, DE, a U.S. DEA agent and get away with it, well, technically they did. When we break it down, we'll get to that towards the end of the season. Um, a lot of people weren't punished for that. But like I said, if you go check out The Last Narc, documentary you will see what i mean but let's get off into the show i really love talking about narcos mexico just on how everything was in there so i get a little excited about this one i like this one a little bit better even though you know like we all love hearing the pablo story and everything as well narcos colombia was cool and i like the season one the best because you see the rise of pablo and the empowerment he had season two if you liked it pablo it's kind of sad because you're watching his downfall. And, you know, of course, that's the cop side of the story. I think there were good things to him. And, of course, he did some evil things. But 
Season two, you're watching his complete downfall. Season three, I couldn't get into. I was not into the Cali cartel. Um, they just weren't interesting to me like Pablo was. Of course, they were making money. Uh, they're more like the business savvy type. But I don't know when you just watch them, how they uh, got with the... <clears throat> towards the end it kind of turns you off you know like i just wasn't i wasn't into their story like that but on that note i promise let me hurry up because i don't want to have you guys here all day so <clears throat> mexico city is where it all goes down at you cannot run anything without getting permission from mexico city that's the government. That's the high power police officers. So if you want to go hustle, sell any type of drug smuggler, you're not going to get away with it in Mexico City. And they show us that in Narcos. And um, it opens up where you see it's like um, you have all these fields and they're planting all this weed. And then you see the cops bust in and they do a real big raid. It was like a gov government invasion. They get to burning up all the fields, shooting everybody, shooting kids, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like a whole bunch of Sinaloa farmers. So it starts off where it's just in Sinaloa and that's El Chapo's home. And that's what birthed the Guadalajara cartel was the Sinaloa crew. Um, well, they weren't really a crew back then, but you know, the farmers who um, planted weed for the Sinaloa. So the key characters in here, in season one especially, because every season is going to go to somebody different. Season one especially, we got the the one top character, that's Kiki Camarano, who was the DEA agent. And then we got the three top three top traffickers, Rafa Carroll Carantino, who is on the run to this day. He's free in Mexico, but he is wanted. He's a wanted man, been wanted since he's been released. Um, <clears throat> you can catch some of his uh, interviews on YouTube because... He still look like he got money to this day. Check him out, Rafa Carol Carantino. A lot of the popular um, Mexican artists, they have songs after him. He's he's really really popular. Um, you have Mr. Don Nito. He was like the old man. He didn't. He was very old school. And a lot of stuff that goes on to this day, they say wouldn't exist if um, Don Nito was out. He would have put a stop to that because he was like an old man of ethics and everything. And then we have Miguel Felix, Miguel Angel Felix Guerrero, who was the brains of the operation and put everything together. Miguel Felix was street savvy, book smart savvy. He had the brains and he birthed all of this. So <clears throat> the opening scene before we get to the raid was you see how it's going to end. We see Kiki getting kidnapped. He has the bag overhead. We see the cops are the ones who is kidnapping him and they take him into a room. Then they take us to Sinaloa and we see all the farmers getting built up and they hide into a church. And then um, the cops are after Rafa and we see Miguel Felix. We don't know who he is yet because he comes in a cop uniform. So we don't know what he's up to. And he basically saves Rafa, but it looks like he's, you know, about to beat him up and take him somewhere. But we find out that he was just trying to save him. They go to his house and it looks like they were already expecting this raid. Like this is nothing new. And his family already is in a secret hiding spot. He goes and gets his wife and kids out, Maria and we see that they have stashes of weed and we don't know what's special about this weed, but we see that Miguel Felix has a plan. 
So then we go back to the U.S. and Kiki is still over there being a, over here being a DEA agent. And he's the one like a fake bus looks like in California somewhere. And he's the one um, he's the one undercover thing, you know, talking stuff. The cops bus in and, you know, we see a young eager Kiki ready to prove itself. Um, I don't think I think the character the character who played him did a good job, but you know just from what I read up on him and heard interviews from his wife and fellow agents, um, I don't think they did him any justice. I mean the guy did a really good job, but I just they showed him over eager in this in this season, and I just wish they would have showed that he was just a really you have really good cops out there. I know you know some cops have a bad name and there's some dirty ass cops out there, but it seemed like this guy's story just touches me. He seemed like he was just a family man to the end, a real guy who just wanted to do the right thing, be a good cop. He was a Marine and how he was done and how it, to me it wasn't enough justice served. His story touches my heart. So we see a young, eager um, Kiki ready to do whatever to make this bus, you know, move up in um, his company, you know, move up in his career. And, uh, you know, he kind of has a setback when he gets back in front of his boss. He was hoping to get a um, promotion, but he didn't get it. And that's when they find out that they are ready to offer him a job in Mexico City. So him and his young pregnant wife. They're um, at the game watching his son, Young Kiko, and she she agrees to go to Mexico City. At first, she's kind of like, uh, but then they decide to go. So that's how he got over there. Of course, it probably was dramatized. It probably didn't happen like that. He might have put in a transfer to go over there. It looks like it was just second choice, but like I said, a lot of stuff is dramatized. But season one is showing the key players and how they're coming together. So... <clears throat> That's how he gets over to Mexico City. And then we see Miguel. He's just still a cop or an ex-cop still in his uniform. And he's basically making sure his people are straight after um, the raid when they burnt all the fields. And so then we go into the next scene and we get to see the lion of Sinaloa. So the lion is the one who runs Sinaloa. And that is Miguel Felix's boss. He runs that plaza basically because everything is sectioned off in plazas so he runs that plaza and he runs everything but Sinaloa every, back then it was no cartel everybody had their own plaza it was a lot of violence back then everything was separated and that was P Pedro Avilas so Miguel he has connections because he used to work for he was in a he was a cop he used to be a bodyguard for the governor help raise the uh he played a major part in the governor's son life had major connections, but he was just like a local cop. So he got to see everything from every angle. And he watched, he studied, and it was time for him. He went to uh, Pedro with that plan. Pedro, like, you don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to let you go ahead and do what you want to do because um, he has a plan where he wants to bring everybody together under one. And Pedro's basically like setting them up like, I'm going to let you go ahead and try to put your little thing together. But if you fail, know what's on you. So Miguel asks, can he just bring somebody basically for credit to vouch for him? And then he knows Don Nito's reputation. So he brings Don Nito out and him and Don Nito, they set off to go to the Guadalajara, where it's more of a bigger city, you know, like 
you know, Sinaloa maybe was more like the country where all the farmers were at. Um, Guadalajara has all the banks, the big businesses, and Miguel, he looks at the bigger picture. Like I said, he was a very brilliant businessman, and he's seen what the future holds. That's why I can't wait to get to season two. Not trying to jump ahead too much, but when season two at the last episode, when he told the other DEA agent, you're going to you're going to hate when I'm gone. You're going to miss me. And in a way, he wasn't lying, but I don't want to jump too ahead. So Kiki makes it to Guadalajara. He meets he meets like his new uh, fellow agents who will be his partners and his boss. And, you know, Kiki, they show him over eager. He's ready to get a case. He's ready to do a bus. He's ready to show what he's made of. And they like, you know, it's not like that here. Just chill. You know, we're not allowed to make arrests. We can't do this. We don't have no jurisdiction to do all that. We basically just over here, just taking information, taking intelligence. And then, you know, Kiki's like, so we like the neighborhood watch. So they go to the bar where all the cops hang out. And he's like, so all we're going to do is buy them beer. So Kiki's already not feeling the laziness of how they don't do anything. And then that's just to go back to... um narcos when it was in Colombia and we had Pena and Murphy and that's why I kept saying they were not on the ground like that because when they were when these cops were going over there they didn't have any jurisdiction to arrest anybody be out there how they were going in all of those communas looking like they was after the Sicarios no they was not doing all of that so they weren't able to do that in Mexico either so we go back and they get into the bar and then we go into the next scene and we see Miguel Felix and Don Nito and Rafa because <clears throat> they call Rafa the young genius because basically Felix is the brains. Miguel Felix is the brains. Don Nito, he is an old school smuggler, been around, very respected. So when they're going through Guadalajara, everybody already know Don Nito. He's the old man. He don't play that shit. Very powerful as well. And then we got Rafa, who was like the genius who created the the weed, how he created. We'll get to that. So with those three, how could they feel? And it just shows like on how they went down. It was over something that was out of their control. But then again, we're, we'll get back to that. I don't want to jump ahead too much. So we get those three. They go to the Guadalajara. It's a busy city. They already got their um their their traffickers down there who run the city. And those is the Narajos brothers. They go to the um restaurant scene, and Miguel presents his plan and you know partnership um offer out to one of the Narajos brothers. He basically laughs in his face, and Miguel shoots him. He waits for the DFS to pull up because the DFS that's like. Mexico's CIA, they partners with the CIA over in the U.S. They're like the highest force of, you could say maybe like the FBI, CIA in a way over there in Mexico. The most powerful cops and everybody scattered them. So they pull up, they take them. So Don Nito tries to escape. Like I knew this shit wasn't going to work. They catch him and they take them to the end. So Miguel Felix is smart while they're driving in the car. He basically says, take me to uh, your commandante because like, like we said, he did his homework. So he knew who to ask for. He said he saved his brother. So basically, to make a long story short, they get to the commandante and he like, I never even had a brother. But he listens to Miguel's um, offer. He likes what he hears. 
they show him the wheat that they're willing to offer and how they need a field where they have to be in Guadalajara. They can't grow it in Sinaloa because with the weed that Rafa Carroll <clears throat> was planting, they eliminated the male parts. So because they were um, pollinated, they the fem the, it was only the female parts. So it was like seedless weeds, weed, weed, seedless weed, weed with no seeds in there, but they had to grow alone. So it had to be planted out there where they could grow alone because they wouldn't uh, do it if they would have been in Sinaloa. So after he's talking, he was like, see, it weighs the same. And then, you know, he got to talking about how they would split everything 50-50 with the DFS. But like I said before, in Mexico, you cannot do anything without permission from the cops. You have to have the cops protection or you will not make it. And if you watch Snowfall in the last season, when we seen Gustavo and Teddy go over to Tijuana like that and they killed uh Gustavo's family if you're a snowfall watcher that was true that would have been true but at, they exaggerated to me when they went back and killed the cop that wouldn't happen like that nobody can go to Tijuana and just run stuff like that you have to get permission to, to move products like that you have to go through the DFS you have to go through whoever runs that that's that that whole little part you have to have permission so <clears throat> So they get the permission from the commandante. Uh, the commandante likes what he hears. And he end up shooting the other Naranjo um, brother. When he shows up like, these fuckers killed my brother. He shoots him. So they see Don Nito changes his mind. It was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Miguel. Because at first he was like, I'm just going out here to show you connections. I don't have nothing to do with this plan. It never worked. But then he started looking like, okay, Miguel Felix is smarter than what I thought. So... We're seeing a little bit of how they're forming their organization. And after that, the DFS, they go and they meet the rest of the cops at the bar. And when they walk in, Kiki can tell that he is more important. They're, they're more important. And that's who run the show by the demeanor when they walk in. So Kiki is in there. He's get, um, getting drunk. And he kind of like tells um, the commandante from the DFS, like, you got blood on your shoe. And he, he, he sees something because Kiki, they show us that he's eager. He's ready to get a case. He don't want to just be sitting around. He's like, all business, no play. <clears throat> After that, it goes back to Don Nito and Miguel. They're trying to show that he's trying to show him like you sitting up here talking about we want to create, bring all these plazas together. We're talking about the weed. And Miguel basically, Miguel Felix basically tells him, like, I'm not trying to get into your business. I'm trying to build an empire, which he did. So they get in a, they um, find somebody to fly them over there because they need a plane to get over to um, Juarez so they can um, try to build up the plaza systems and connect them all. That's when we meet Don Nito's nephew, Amato who is going to play a major part and he is what they end up calling Lord of Sky. So season three will be based on him because after Miguel Felix went down, then Amato, the Lord of Skies took over and it was his reign. I really liked him as well. <clears throat> and so I'm trying to catch up before they start season three, because we're going to talk about that as well. So 
they're flying over um, they get in the plane you know they introduce he introduces his nephew to miguel felix and then they head over to juarez so in episode one we basically see the key players what what they're going to consist of we see how kiki got over to mexico city we see how the sinaloa um three Rafa, Donito, and Miguel Felix left Sinaloa and went to Guadalajara. We're seeing on how it's all coming together. Um, I know if you watch it, it might not look interesting at first. And that happened to me at first when I had got off into um, regular Narcos. I tried to watch Narcos Mexico. I'm like, oh, this look kind of boring. But one thing that drew me in is like when I hear something happen and I look into it, I want to know more about it. So when they were when they were talking about the Kiki Camarena story, shit, when I hear something like that, I want to know about it. So I did research on it. And then I tried to watch it and I couldn't get off into it. But I went and watched the documentary. When I watched the documentary, which we will talk about, I wanted to talk about it before we started it. But I said, nah, we're gonna talk about it on when we're at the episode 10 because it goes with that last episode when, when the murder took place. So we'll talk about the documentary last. And um, so I'm telling you, if you kind of like just need, you know, want to get on, get into it and you can't um, watch that documentary, it's going to draw you in more and everything is going to make sense. So after we see the three key players, we go to episode two and Kiki is still eager. He tired of playing around. Um <clears throat> He 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 just tired. He like I don't want to be going to no bar every night. I don't want to be talking their little monthly um, contributions. I want to I want to do something. I want to make you know I'm I'm here to work. I want to work. I want to bust case. I want to stop all this drug trafficking because remember this is in the '80s in the Nancy Reagan just say no era, and this is when the war on drugs, so they say, started in the '80s. Back in the '70s, it was a lot of weed grass what they called it but then in the 80s that's when cocaine was kind of coming in it was more of a rich man's drug a lot of the celebrities were doing it so we're at the beginning now that's why i wanted to originally start off with colombia we're seeing how the cocaine got over here now we're moving to mexico and we're seeing about the weed and then we're gonna see how they transfer that to the cocaine they end up becoming one of the biggest cartels with the cocaine then we're gonna get to the 80s in the united states and we're gonna see about the crack so we're moving along so when we get to see uh, episode two we see <clears throat> um, Amado, he's still rolling around with Miguel Felix and Donito. They um take off to Horace. They meet with Pablo Acostos. Um, he he was over the Horace Plaza. Uh, he had beef with Miguel Felix, uh, boss from Sinaloa. So they like it, it won't work with bringing the plazas together because Pablo Acostos was really respected. Matter of fact, at his um funeral. It was over thousands of people that showed up. They loved it, Pablo Acostos. And then we go to Tijuana, and that's when all... It's funny because nobody ever thought this would work. They looked at the Sinaloa's basically like um, people who can't get along, you know, lo lower end at the stick. They looked at them like they were just broke cowboys, you know, just always had the gold guns, just, you know, stereotype or whatever, but... 
Miguel Felix was so smart. He knew how to put all the key players under one union. He wanted to make a union of traffickers. And Sinaloa was known for where that most of the farmers was at. They were cowboys. They, they were killers. But Tijuana, everybody wanted to be a part of Tijuana because they had the best routes to get over to the United States to this day. So he goes and he talks to the uh, Benjamin and his brother um, Mon and in the show, they make it look like they're just going to do business with them. But in actuality, because y'all know I like to talk about the real stuff too. Miguel Felix, the 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 brothers in uh, Tijuana, those were his nephews. They weren't just business partners. Those were his blood nephews. So when they make it look like in the show, because I'm sure if you're listening, you might have already watched it. But they made it look like when Miguel Felix went down, they just created their own plazas and their own union without Miguel Felix. And he got locked up and got set up like that. That wasn't true. When he got locked up, he ended up giving them the power to take over because those were his nephews. So, yeah. But in Tijuana, you have to get permission back in the day from the Falcon. And the Falcon was a big guy, just wouldn't anybody meet with him. So Miguel Felix, he's done all of his homework. So he knows his contacts. So he um, he contacts Isabella. She is like the go-to girl. She got all the connections with the big hustlers, the big smugglers. She gets him into the Falcon party when they walk in. You see, it was like an 80s, early disco party. It was a lot of big orgies going on. He was a lot of coke going on. It was a lot. He is, she introduces Falcon and Miguel Felix, and she gives her vouch for him. So he goes ahead and listens because a lot of people got respect for Isabella. And if you look her up, she's based off a real person, and she was really in a drug game. Uh, she was connected with El Chapo, El Chapo too, but that was later to come. But Isabella, yeah, she was more than just um, a girl who just had all the connections and used to walk around flirting with anybody. She was the real deal, too, as far as in the game as well. So I felt like Miguel Felix should have gave her everything she wanted when she asked for it. Because if it wasn't for Isabella, she got him into the doors of a lot with her connections. If it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have made it through some of those doors. But I don't think it happened like that. And I think it was just more dramatized for Hollywood. She was more connected than what they tried to make her seem like she was always trying to fit in. We see Kiki's irritated. So he gets to doing his own little private investigations, following people around, following the DFS around the um, the main commandante, following him around. He see that he goes meet with traffickers, got stuff in trucks. So he um, first they do a fake bus. And he's excited about that. But then he realized it was all set up like they they warn them that they're coming. Then they let they go. They do a raid. They pull stuff up, but it was all a setup. Just like they know they're going to get this up because they have to do it. So he like this was all a setup. It wasn't real. So he goes and starts following people around. He takes pictures. His bosses doesn't have a, ch- um, a chance to say no once he presents the evidence. They don't. They go and do another fake bus, which they probably were warned because when they go do the trucks, they see it was nothing but plastic pipes and there are no drugs. So they probably were warned and... <clears throat> Everybody gets mad at Kiki because they're like, look, you just got here. Chill out. You're trying to take take over. It's going to take more time than that to 
to go ahead and do what they got to do. So Kiki's embarrassed, of course, because he's done all this time where he's been watching. He didn't have them little uh, binoculars on. He's taking pictures and he knows something going on, but they don't have enough evidence. We see Rafa. He's in Guadalajara because when they go there and, you know, now that Felix has the attention of the DFS, they're willing to work with him. Only thing Rafa got to do is get that plant started. You have to get the plan. You have to get that field ready. But he's getting frustrated because he was taught how to do it with the seedless weed. But he's in a desert and there's no water coming there. So what does his crazy ass do? He goes to the college, kidnap the professor who taught him all of this in front of everybody. And then we see that's the first time he see Miss Sophia. And we're going to get into her later. But he see Miss Sophia and, you know, they kind of lock eyes, but he's too busy trying to, he kidnap uh, the professor because, you know, they're on the time. They have to prove their self. They have to have the proof that they got all this ready while they're, while Miguel and Donito is going to put all the plazas together. So now it's all coming together. So by now, <clears throat> Miguel, Felix, he has everything together. He just has to get everybody to sit down. Under one organization, under one table, and do this confederacy. Uh, so, but remember, Miguel is not his own boss yet. He still works for Pedro Avilas. And Pedro Avilas, you know how they say you're only the man in your city? He was only the man in Sinaloa. Around other things, he was not respected. Like his nemesis, Pablo Acostos, he was the man in Juarez, but he was respected and, you know, more likable than. Pedro, if you go back and you look at most of uh, what made these empires fall down when they had built dynasties, it was the ego. And that's even for Pablo Escobar as well. Pedro Avilas, if he just would have sat his ass down at that time and listened to what Miguel Felix said. And we all know, of course, this is dramatized out for Hollywood. So it probably didn't even go down like this. But, you know, it's dramatized and then they have to break it down really quick in 10 episodes, you know, to keep everybody's attention. They can't say every little thing. That's why, you know, it's, it's a lot of key pieces miss, miss, missing out of this story. So it probably didn't happen like this, but more of the character of it. If he would have put his ego to the side and listened to what Miguel Felix had said, he would have been a part of the plan, too. But knowing how smart Miguel Felix was, he would have pushed him out the way eventually anyway. Because um, during season one and two, we see a very humble Miguel Felix. He's a, a family man, all about his wife. Her input matters. Her dad was a really big smuggler in his day. So she knew a lot about all of the game before even he did. So with those two brains put together with him and his wife, they could have really been strong if they just would have stayed that way. But we see a very humble him who just wants to provide for his family. And tired of working for everybody else and being just a poor cop. So we see a humble him. So he can, he can, he can <clears throat> convinces everyone to meet at this table. And all Rafa has to do is get that water ready so he can get down um, the field planted with the seedless weed. So he kidnaps the professor. The professor shows him how to get the water. He's for hours and hours. He's frustrated. He finally gets all the water to pop up out of full frustration. And they all end up shooting in the air and the field is created. <laughs> then we go back to the big meeting in Guadalajara. We have all the major plazas. Miguel Felix 
geniusness has went and talked to them. He knew how to talk to each and one of them. He knew who just wanted to know the numbers, like they said. He knew who just wanted to hear bribery. He knew what to say. And this had never been done before. It was a lot of violence. Everybody had their own. And he brought them all under one table. They got the leader of the DFS there. So they know that they're going to have protection from the police. While they're talking and everybody is agreeing to do it, he gets permission from the Falcon. The Falcon go ahead and, you know, give him his blessing. But that's a big thing, too. The Falcon tells him, as long as you're not stepping into my world, you're good. And remember, at this time, the Falcon, he had the army behind him. So nobody was messing with the Falcon. The Falcon was rich. He had the whole army. He had the, the, the military literally behind him. And his business was cocaine. He was, he was, he was over Tijuana and he had cocaine. Miguel Felix promised that they would only have the marijuana. He was like, it'll be like two partners, but you know, best of both neighbors. So that was one thing right there. He promised that he would only stick with marijuana. After they did the numbers, they had half and half at the table. Everybody's half happy. Everybody's smiling. Pablo Acosta's, he gets up. You know, they all give praises to Miguel Felix as they should. But that stopped Pedro's ego. And he, that pisses him off again. And he's like, I'm willing to do it. But not if he's going to be in there. Pablo Acosta is more respected. Everybody else gets up and leave. They take Miguel Felix, put him in a back seat. You know, they're getting ready to execute him. They're just taking him somewhere to shoot him and bury him. But by this time, Donito didn't see the brain and the grand scheme. Of, he, didn't, he didn't see the bigger picture of what Miguel Felix was pushing. So he goes to DFS and says they're all still willing to do it. But you got to get the other guy the fuck out of here, basically. So they follow after them. They pull up, you know, they're DFS cops. So they pull him over. Pedro gets out like, um, do you know who I am? They end up killing Pedro. Miguel, Miguel Felix gets out. He's relieved. He takes the last shot. And basically, that was the first union of traffickers. That's how it was built. Um, it, pro it was more to the story than that. They broke, they broke it down like that. Sure, it didn't happen like that. As we know, watching Narcos, most of it is true, but a lot of it is dramatized out. But Miguel Felix, the Guadalajara cartel, they were like one of the first cartels. They they brought everybody together. Everybody was under one union. And it was one guy who had who was over each plaza. So all the plaza, it was one big confederacy. And that was a big, big deal. And that's when they were on top. That's when they had everything. And that's when all the violence stopped because they was all under one confederacy. If it was a problem, they met up. You had uh, Miguel Felix was over it. We have Miguel Felix. So we so now we know how they came together and we got the key players. And now we see why Kiki Camarena was such a big threat because he was eager. He wanted to do his job. He was he was not about that. So and he wasn't about getting bribes because back then, to this day as well, the cops, they were a part of the drug smuggling game. You had to have their permission. You had their protection. So you had all the cops who were covering it up. And even down to agents who got over here. And even when, when they got over to Mexico, it's not that they even wanted to be a part of it, but they were scared for their own family as well. 
So that was episode one and two coverage. I hope you enjoyed it. We see at the end, Kiki <clears throat> Camarano, he's frustrated because he know that they did the fake bus. And then when he knew he had something, when they got there, he was embarrassed because nothing was in the truck. So he's, he basically sets off to do his own investigation. And he follows the trucks at late at night. He follows them so much he runs out of gas. So he's out in the middle of nowhere in these fields and walking back. In midday, about 4 or 5 in the morning, begin a sunrise, when he's walking back because he's out of gas, that's when he sees the buses and trucks headed down the street. And he sees guys in the back, but they have like the cover over their head. Um, so they can't see where they're going. So he knows he's on to something. And then he goes back. So it shows them going back. So now we see Kiki Camarano. He's in Mex Mexico City. He's tired of uh, police corruption. He knows they're getting paid off. He's getting tired of, he don't like the way that they move. So he's set out to do his own investigation to where they can't say nothing is going on. We see now uh, Felix Miguel, Miguel Felix. He, he's, he's got everybody's attention. Now he is, is, is his confederacy he's he's over it it's him rafa and donito so we met the three key players we see the dfs is really involved and then we see how they got the agency over there where kiki camarena is working so that was my breakdown and my discussion of narcos mexico season one and season two i hope you guys do enjoy it i love talking about it um i'm gonna go ahead and end it because i didn't want to have you guys here too long but i tried to tried to break each episode down but then given like what we're going to be talking about and like i had to talk about why you know the narcos make the narco the regular narcos brought this in as well so today is sunday i hope you guys are enjoying your sunday i'm about to go out to eat um i'll do canaan raising canaan tomorrow power We'll come back on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we'll do three and four of Narcos Mexico. I'm going to try to break this down quick. We'll do two episodes at a time. Then we're going to cover that documentary as well. Don't forget, you can follow me on my social media platforms, IG, Alicia Shanice, Facebook, Alicia Shanice as well. If you hit me up on Facebook, I probably won't accept you unless you send me an um, a inbox just saying, hey, follow you from your podcast i will happily accept you um follow my spotify playlist because they are the shit um i have shanice loves r&b shanice loves hip-hop all that good stuff follow my playlist and y'all be safe out there enjoy y'all sunday and check back in tomorrow because we will be talking about raising canaan the power universe shout out to fifth all right y'all and on that note i'm out